don't know if I want to be sitting down like so fired up during these discussions. Should I start standing up? Should I start sitting down but kind of like bring the microphone out to me to where I could these leather chairs are really comfortable and I just I feel like I could just express myself in a lot of different ways when I am on these microphones. When you, Do you get, feel the same way or because you always kind of just sit idle. I, I notice that when you get when you get going and passionate, you want to stand up. You want to be moving around. Maybe uh, like a headset with a microphone is more your. Uh, you ever seen Rocky when he gets to the top of the stairs? Oh yeah, you don't sit down. You jump <laughs> up in the air with your arms up. <laughs> right? You feel like you just got to the top of those stairs. Yeah, isn't that how you do it? Well, what if you're talking about something sad? You're going to be standing up all flexing your muscles. We did talk and some about some sad out. last week. We mentioned Joe Biden. Is that sad or what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Our governor is something else. Steve Sisolak, if you're listening, what are you thinking, duh? God, you're just not that bright, bro. Absolute embarrassment to our state, my opinion. Truly my, is. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree 100%. Like an absolute embarrassment as a human being. Just just over, he's just uh, outclassed, out thought, outmaneuvered. He's just not a person that should be leading a state. No. It, it's not for everybody. It. it a real politician and now a challenged politician, you, you've got to be smart. And he is not. He can't even speak in front of people. Zero. And, and that's, I always say that's a baseline for politics is if you're going to, you know, they, they do very little. That's the president included. I'm not saying they do very little, but it's a, a lot done by committees and other people. And they're the figurehead. At a baseline, you better be an unbelievable public speaker. Which is why Obama got vo- voted 100%. in. 100%. He could, he could speak like no other. And and why it, it was a bit of the downfall of Donald Trump is because he went the other way. Very well spoken, but spoke everything on his mind and said everything and tweeted everything. He should well, still be president, though. 100%. 100%. The, 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 uh, the problem is people are more comfortable with that talking head that gives you that really eloquent speech. Well, now we got bidden. Can't even understand a word the guy's saying. Not a word. It, it completely incoherent. The fact that we're about to pass another one point nine trillion. The problem is people don't understand what one point nine trillion dollars are, and the fact that like one percent of it goes to the American people. I know. But all the American people think is they're going to get this stimulus check. What are you really going to do with $1,600? I don't give a shit what you do for a living. Is that the amount? It's $1,600. I, I personally, and I, I by no means am some rich man, that doesn't even pay my mortgage payment. So no. what, what are you bailing? And I consider myself like a middle class guy. What are you bailing me out on? Nothing. It's nothing. So if you're even if you're a guy that lives in an apartment, in Reno, I bet you the median apartment price is thirteen to fifteen hundred dollars. You, you covered one month of your rent. You've been out of work for twelve months. How does that even equate? But people voted for that shit. Did you intentionally mean to drag me down this political road? I'm about to stand up too, feeling like rock. No, I think it's awesome <laughs> that people are this passionate. I talked to Joey last night and working with him on the on the fight, and I just think that it's embarrassing that we allow people to go into these positions of quote-unquote leadership that have no leadership skills. And it's disgusting to me. I think that Steve Sisolak 
is a terrible human being. I think that Gavin Newsom is a terrible human being. I think Nancy Pelosi is a terrible human being. I think that they have made a career out of hosing people, embezzling money. Um, I, I think that they have made a career out of pulling the wool over people's eyes of being lifelong politicians, which Donald Trump was not. Um, Ross Perot was not. Ronald Reagan was not, who's considerably one of the greatest presidents of our of our history. Um, I just think that when you hear these guys speak, you can pick them apart. You don't even need to do a forensic audit on them. You don't need a microscope. I could listen to Joe Biden speak and know that he could not organize a pancake breakfast. If that man was speaking at a local church, he would get booed off the stage. Yep. But because this whole liberal and democratic movement, they think he's the savior, they know damn well he's not going to get anything done. They know that he's not going to get anything done. And that's what sucks is that we vote these people in because we think that we do it, we do it on emotions. We don't do it on science. We don't do it on biology. We don't do it on research. We don't do it on the facts. We vote of in based on emotion. Donald Trump has a proven track record of building businesses. Has he filed bankruptcy? Yes. But that happens in all forms of businesses, okay? A lot of successful business people have done that. But he has a proven track record of winning. Right. Joe Biden doesn't. Joe Biden doesn't. Steve Sisolak, who in the hell is Steve Sisolak? He, he sued he sued the airport sued in the Vegas airport to make money. To make money. He was a telemarketer he before that. Telemarketer. And all of a sudden you're gonna tell me he's a, a leader of our state. Of, of a couple of, million people. And a couple million people and one of the biggest tourisms in the country. Right. With Las Vegas and the casinos. It's crazy you, to me. When you think about what Texas is doing right now, and this is very real, they could capitalize on Vegas's tourism market. For conventions and shows and rodeos right now, because there's a you know uh, the shot show. Had the shot show been you know this month, it would have been a very viable option to be in Dallas or Houston or Austin or one of those places. They're going to take that tourism money that our state depends on, like they did if the we NFR, remain closed. The NFR rodeo already 100%. happened to us, hundred percent. And, and shot show had already happened to us, right? They canceled everything well out in advance, but as soon as the election happened, as soon as he was put into office and sworn in, it starts to loosen up. Right. I mean, there's nothing being controlled now except by Democrats Democrat that are governors. because of money. Because, I was just going to say, they take, they take federal money, and if you look at Sisolak handed Biden Nevada with a, with a midnight approval of mail-in voting yep and that secured all the federal funding that he ever needs from joe biden yep and put your tinfoil hat on for it uh steve biden or steve <laughs> steve biden yeah steve sisolak filters his personal money through federal money guaranteed one way or another that dude will leave that office double Richer his wealth right been. now because he's scratching the back of joe biden yep and, and and there's a and hurting know, and hurting Nevadans like it's going out yep, of style. Hundred percent. He he could give he could he could care less. The 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 funniest thing is the way that they just abruptly close everything with zero plan, and you know you basically take the largest industry in Nevada. You know it's hospitality industry, Las Vegas. They close those casinos. The the casinos revenue. I, I don't know the, all the stats, but it's like. 30% of the state's entire budget comes from like the first quarter tax revenue of Las Vegas casinos. They closed them for 76 days. So you lose more than a quarter. How do we get to regenerate that money? You can't. 
Governments generate zero revenue. All they do is collect tax. So who who's going to pay it? We're going to pay it. We're going to pay it. And your kids are going to pay it. Not Steve Sisolak or his nope. daughters. Nope. His daughters are a real treat too. Oh, it's yeah. crazy to me. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy to me that he is still there. Still there. I know. The state is literally in limbo, and he's still sitting there in the in the state's capital, Carson City, in the governor's mansion. And so is Newsom. Yep. And Newsom, dude, they don't even want him around. They don't even want him around. It, they, Andrew Cuomo is the same way. Here's what I think is funny. Largest thing to ever happen in the last 50 years. Our governor speaks once a month, maybe. You know, he, he you would think... Barely speaks. He can barely put bar- sense together. But he, but he, he puts himself in front of a camera. He handles no questions from the media or the businesses. But wouldn't you think if you're the governor of a state and your people are suffering the way that that they are either financially or if you look at it through his eyes, they're suffering due to this illness and pandemic. Would you not be on the television at a minimum once a week? Minimum. I would be on, I literally would do it every day. Minimum. I would say, Hey, it's either going to be through my webcam and you can see it on Facebook or wherever, or I invite all the press over to wherever we're at. And I'm going to give a conference every day. Cause about I care what's going on. Cause I care. This yeah, exactly, and that's what else are you doing? But here's the problem. I'm going to go on a side tangent. Politics has turned into nonstop fundraising. That's all it is. That's all they do. See, he he's not sitting there in his office going over what's the best route for the new McCarran Freeway down in Vegas. He's trying to earn money for the next time that he runs an election. And then every time he feels like coming out and speaking to the public about what's going on, he does a BS press conference, and he usually does them once a month. He. This last go around came out and literally uh, three three months ago would speak once a month. So this is how it's going to be in an ever changing environment. He's only dealing with it thirty days at a time. What's he doing with the rest of his time? While while all the people in Nevada have lost their jobs or reduced but you income, know, but you know you're answering your own question, I know. right? I know, but you are you're really answering your own question because he can't. Okay. He can't do anything. He's not smart. He is not a smart individual. That guy could not put a like. I've watched him speak in public, and it, you feel sorry for him. Right? He is a mess. He's out of shape. He's grossly obese. He sweats profusely when he talks. He's very, very loose with the English language. He has no no command of it. He cannot put sentences together. He is not a good negotiator, and he gets very nervous. His oh, nervosis yeah. just comes through. He has zero self confidence because he's got to look in the mirror and knows that he's a phony. He's a yep. fake. He is a fraud, and he and that's why he doesn't come out. But every thirty days, because he knows that if he did, he would get destroyed. He, sees he would those get picked and gets apart. Yeah, he get picked right. apart. So what he does is he does what a coward does. They hide. Yep. They get on keyboard muscle. Oh, I'm the governor, Steve Sislak. This is what we're going to do. Keyboard muscle. He's just hiding behind that keyboard because when he goes in public, he'll get ridiculed. He has no friends. He has no support. He has the support of people that I guess you would say have had the wool pulled over their eyes and think that they were going to be in a better situation with all of these dreams that they were promised. And it happens all the time. We're going to push. I'm just, I keep going back to Trump. Trump literally followed through on everything that he said he was going to do in the 2016 campaign. Yep. You go back and listen to him, what he was going to do. He did it. He wasn't a blowhard. So maybe he wasn't the best on Twitter. Maybe he said some things that made some Republicans go, well, while I look at it, it's like, hey, our leader's out there. 
He's being proactive. He's got our back, and he truly did. I feel that he had our back more than any president since I was old enough to understand. I was very young when Reagan took office, very young. But when Clinton took office is when I really started paying attention. Maybe Bush, but then Clinton and Bush and George Dub and, and the Obamas and all that, I really have followed it. These guys didn't do a whole lot that they said they were going to do. Now, I'm not saying that they were bad people or bad presidents. It just seems to me at this time, Trump followed through on a lot of the things that he said he was going to do. Unemployment. Unemployment for different racist and, back and ethnic groups. Women. The wall. Free trade, tariffs, all of this stuff was discussed in 2016. He said he was going to do it and he did Lower it. Lower tax for the middle class. Lower class for the middle class. He did it. So you can't tell me he's not a good leader. It's crazy to me that people will go in there and go, I'm going to vote with my heart. I'm going to vote. I've talked to people here. I go, why did you vote for him? Why did you? Because the other man is a pig. And I went, a what? He's a great grandfather. He's a great father. Well, he's said this about women. He's a man. Go into any high school locker room in the country and put a recording device in there and see what's said. Yep. Go to any rodeo. Go to any men's club, Elks club. Go to a woman's club and listen to how women talk about sex or men or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to think that somebody could be ridiculed for something they said in private as a private citizen. Right. Now he's going to lead. He's a still a good leader. He's never been in trouble. He's never done a drug. He doesn't drink alcohol. What's the, what's the problem? So anyway, like the answer to your question is he's a coward. Steve Sisolak is a coward and he's ruining the state of Nevada. Just like Newsom's ruining California, they are cowards, yep. cowards. And they will never go to bed at night with a clear head. Nope. But they, they, they don't, they don't, they don't have a conscience for things like that. That's why they steal for, or, you know, I don't even know if you call it stealing, it's but they, stealing. they it's defraud stealing. the American public for money and, Literally, the only solution that I can think, and a guy like Sisolak has it, but up in Congress and the House and all that, we, we have to have term limits. And until those term limits get in place, it's going to be the same shit show over and over and over because you can't unseat those people. The Chuck Schumers and Nancy Pelosi's and you know people like that, they have their constituents completely blindfolded or the wool pulled over their eyes, like you said. Every term, they come out with the same bullshit lies that they told them the time before. How they buy into it is beyond me. I have no idea. Sisolak arguably probably got his seat through the culinary union down in Vegas, right? That's the hardest fought thing for, for any politician because there's 35 or 40,000 workers. He literally put those people out of jobs for 76 days. Most of them probably have not gone back to work a year later. Because nope. restaurants and casinos are at... 35% capacity right now. One year later, 35%. You don't need all those chefs and sous chefs and no, dishwasher. You're running as lean and mean as you possibly can to try and keep your business open. No. And those are the people that voted for you. They endorsed him and voted for him and got him pushed through. Yeah. And he screwed their eyes out. So what does he do for anybody else in the world? He's not going to do anything. He's a coward. He, that's, he knows he's got... Dude, you could watch his first commercials when he got elected, sitting at the table with his daughters. And I looked at him and went... You are literally out of your mind, unintelligent. Yeah. The way that his daughter spoke, the way they looked at the camera, the way that they were scripted out to try to be these people that they were. I looked at him. I'm like, people are going to fall for this. It was sad. Yeah. It's freaking sad that people in our country would get the wool. You watch Joe Biden speak now. Like, it's sad that he, I have no confidence in our country with him leading it. And that's the difference. 
At least the Democrat could have confidence that we were going to, we were making money. Stock market was good. Free trade was good. Unemployment was low. We had jobs. Things are coming back. Trump's a worker. You can't take that away from that man that he's a worker. No. Joe Biden is a basement dweller. Yep. He's a hider. He's a coward, just like Sisolak. I don't support any of them. I'm not going to sit here and say that, that, you know, get on a big old, get on a big old platform and try to talk smack and tear down the Biden name, because there's a lot of stuff you could talk about with his kids and Hunter and all the stuff that they've been through. I'm just going off of what he has proven since he has taken oath. He's been an embarrassment already in 45 days, yep. an embarrassment. An embarrassment. His speaking, everything that he does is an embarrassment. You know, he ran on a $2,000, just this very simple one, ran on a $2,000 stimulus check. You're going to you're gonna get 1600 Yeah. So that is defrauding the American people. If you're going to stand up there and lie to everyone and say you're going to do something, but part of the problem with politics is zero accountability anymore. Zero accountability, but he can, but he also won... Because of a lot of other things, including this virus and pandemic, including mail-in balloting and voting, yep, yep. illegal stuff took place. 100%. People want to, if people don't want to admit it, that's fine. They can believe all they want that we went to bed at night with him leading that Pennsylvania race and that Michigan race and that Wisconsin race, and then we wake up and he's way behind. Yeah, no, not after what ba what, what Biden went up to Pennsylvania and said that he said. Uh, with bracking and all that stuff. There's no way that we went to bed with that comfortable lead and woke up behind. There's no way Georgia voted Democrat. There's no, no way. No. So if people want to sit here and go, oh, you're wrong. 90 million people really voted for Joe. But no, they didn't. Oh, well, they did it because Trump pissed off a lot of people. Maybe he did, but no, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Because you can't tell me that illegal stuff was not going on with these vote counts. There's no freaking way that 90 million people voted for Joe Biden. Nope. That's a hit. There's no way that that many people even went out and voted. 160 million because they said 70 million voted for Trump. Right. That's 160 million people. Yeah. What's gives? Maybe it's 80 and 70. Maybe it's 150 million. But you're telling me half the country voted? No. And and what I look at is you know take Trump out of the equation. Barack Obama was. One of the most popular presidents ever in the country, for whatever reason. Falsely. People loved him, but people loved him. You're telling me Joe Biden got 11. It, it was at one point, now that it's all through, it's even higher. But he was 11 million votes more than Barack Obama. Not happening. It, it's it's impossible. With not with not doing any campaigning. Zero campaigning. No rallies. Look like an idiot. Not, I'm not saying that Trump looked any better. Trump did not do a very good job in the campaigns. I will say that. Nope. I was not very impressed with Trump's campaign, with his, not campaigning, his debates. Debates. His debates. The first was, one was bad. The, the second one was good. Better. But the first one was really bad. Yeah. Um, but Biden was just as bad. He was terrible. He was calling our president a clown, a liar. He was terrible. Unethical yeah. as hell. Um, but he never came out of his basement that whole time. Nope. Trump was having 30,000, 50,000 people at a rally. He had 13 right. just down here in Gardnerville. I know. At an airport strip, at a private hangar that the owner got in trouble for, right. for holding it from Steve Shisolak, Shisolak, whatever <laughs> his name is. So you can't tell me that this man, Joe Biden, and these guys, his followers, his, you know, his sheep are good leaders. That's all I want is a good leader. You don't want to go to work for a company that doesn't have a good leader in a CEO. Nope. I've been there with the CEOs that think they're CEOs and don't have a CEO mentality. There's a lot of people that think they do until they get there because a big part of CEO mentality, I know you got to understand finance. I know you got to understand accounting. I know you got to be able to read a, an AR and an AP and a ledger and all of that stuff that goes into what your bottom line is and what your return on investment is and what you do. But you also have to understand people. 
and how to communicate and how to talk and how to get something out of people with bringing them together for one common goal, developing momentum, teaching them that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that we're all in this together, getting them to take ownership of a company that they might not have ownership in. Mm-hmm. There's see, there's Joe Biden is not that guy. Joe Biden is a separator. They say Trump was Trump was building an America that was literally going back to work. Yep. We were working. We were working. This whole last year was to get Trump out of office, in my opinion, dude. 100%. I really think it was. Now, people are going to say, but people have died from it. And I'm very, very knowledgeable of that. I get it, and I feel for them. But, Crosby, it's no worse than the flu. We shut the whole country, the whole world down for this deal. Hey, it Literally, as soon as you politicize any kind of, and, and I said this very early on, as soon as you politicize what this was, it loses all credibility with me. Because if you're really going to say that we've got the most dangerous virus that this world's ever seen running through the world, and we're going to blame President Trump for it, you're, you've lost all credibility with me. All of it. And, and you know, they're going to say, oh, he, he didn't do things fast enough. When he did act, he was called a racist and a xenophobe. And all these other politicians are on video. And, you know, Nancy Pelosi's out inviting people to Chinatown in San Francisco. And this thing isn't that bad. And, you know, don't be afraid to but come out. Fault. But it's Trump's fault. But it's Trump's fault. Exactly. Yeah. And you got the, the new vice president in one video saying, if Trump's saying that we need to get a vaccine, I'm not getting it. Now, fast forward to Joe Biden's elected. Yeah, everybody needs to go out and get a vaccine. She called she called Biden the ultimate racist. Uh, and then she's his vice president. Exactly. But no, that she's was a, a she's a worthless human being too. They man. they literally, you know, this will be an un un you know favorable comment that I'm gonna make, but most politicians both side of the aisle, they're they're worthless. They're they're literally you saw how all the Republicans turned on Trump as soon as they saw that he wasn't gonna win that election, because they all want to cower down. They want to try and keep their jobs. And in their mind, they're going to say, well, you got to work together with them to get my stuff passed. It's, it's BS. No. They, they, they only work with each other to line their, their pockets. And they're, they're working towards their next election, and that's it. What are we Paul, breaking down right now? We haven't even started yet. Are we recording? <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about coming to America, too, again. I watched the trailer for it. I heard it sucks bad. I, the Clay tra- says I, that he's heard from many people that they literally can't finish it. I had a hard time watching the whole trailer, and I really feel like trailers... We are going to break this down today. Here's what we're going to break down today. You told me on a text today that it was my call. I've been calling them all. We got off on this tangent. I'm just going to say this as we end this little... Welcome to Breaking It Down, This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Chad Belding, Alex Crosby, we're bringing it to you. We got off on a little tangent there. We just, we're just upset. Um, our governor is not a good person. He's not a good human being, and we're not afraid to say that. Um, they say that if you need something, if you want to make a change, you got to get out and work for it. We're doing that. We're, we have some good leadership going on in the state, and we're supporting that through financial means, sweat, equity, elbow grease. Had a conversation, two conversations last night, texting and talking on what next steps are. Um, we care about... Our state, our country, our communities, our kids, our future, next generations, and our governor, Steve Sisolak, and guys like Gavin Newsom in California, Nancy Pelosi, our Speaker of the House, and Joe Biden, we don't agree with who they are and what they stand for. So that's why we were breaking that down. But what we're going to break the down today, and I want to say today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody, Breaking It Down with Chad and Alex, is brought to you again, Lynchburg, Tennessee, Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash whiskey enjoy it responsibly never allow underage drinking i like jack daniels i'm not drinking for the month of march i made a decision that i wasn't going to spring training 
And when I made that decision, I said, this is the month I'm going to do it. And it hasn't been too difficult. It really hasn't. I know you're giggling under your breath mm-hmm. over there, you bearded one. But I love Jack Daniels when I enjoy it responsibly and everything's in moderation and it mixes well. It's on the rocks well. It's neat well. All of their different selections, Crosby from the seven, the gentleman, the barrel select. You can do a barrel program. You have apple. You have honey. You have Tennessee fire. You have single barrel is the one I end it with. You have the Sinatra, you have the gold, but single barrel is so dang good, bro. I don't know if you've had a sip of the foul life single barrel, but thank you, Jack Daniels, for believing in our brands and our podcasts. And today's episode of Breaking It Down on This Life Ain't For Everybody with Chad and Alex is brought to you by Rigid Industries. We're talking about seeing the light right now. We're talking about lighting yourself up, figuring it out, get out of the darkness, quit believing the hype, like Chuck D said. The hype is real with Rigid Industries. We set up decoys in the dark. We drive a lot of miles in the dark, whether we're in a boat, a UTV, an ATV, a truck. We have them on our trailers. When we click those lights and those LEDs made by Rigid Industries go on, it lights up that cornfield, that pea field, that highway, that back road, that dirt road, that waterway. We want to see. Light is so unbelievable. It's amazing that we have things to light up the night. Could you imagine looking for something without a flashlight or a headlamp. Hmm. It's crazy, right? That's what Joe Biden does. He just walks around <laughs> in the dark. Stumbling around. <laughs> he just dark. stumbles around, huh? He just stumbling around in the dark looking for something to run into. Richard, if you're listening, could you get Joe one of them big light bars for <laughs> his a big forehead? Light. <laughs> Stevie Wonder is even like, where the hell is he going? <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, But thank you, Rigid Industries, for everything that you do for us here at the podcast. I love Stevie Wonder's music. We could break that down someday of how talented that man was. Oh, my God. But one of the funniest things in the Stevie Wonder career was the Saturday Night Live skit. And what we're going to break down today is the man they call the Eddie Murphy. This is a man I don't even know how to explain. I think he's 54 now. I don't know how much money he's worth. Some Something happened in his career there for a little bit that was weird. He just got out of comedy, kind of like Chappelle did. Chappelle just said, you know what? I'm going away. He moved away somewhere. I, he lives in Ohio now. Just weird. I'm Dave Chappelle, and I live in Ohio. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's funny, but he's hilarious, right? Politically, I don't care. I'm just going off a of talent. I've never heard Eddie I was going to say, do you know his political views? I've never heard I've it. Never I've, heard, I've it. heard Dave Chappelle yeah. talk, but politically... Murphy stays pretty quiet, man. But can you imagine? Think about this time in America. 1985, 86, 87, okay? I'm 10 years old. You're six. Six. Eddie Murphy is 19 years old on the Delirious Tour. He's selling out arenas of 20,000 seats at 19. Okay, most of the comedians that you see go hot like this in life, Chappelle was doing big rooms, but not stadiums at 19. Not Probably not anything. He had the Chappelle show. I don't know where he was. I don't know. I'm not going to speak about that. But like Bill Burr's in his mid-50s, and he's, for the last five, six, maybe 10 years since he was 45, he's selling out big rooms. Joe Rogan's in his mid-50s, same thing. Probably 10 years. Would you say a deck out, decade that he's doing theaters? Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy's selling out Lawler Event Center, 15,000 seats. Madison Square Gardens. Now, there are some comedians that have done this, like 
the Bill Burrs, um, the Dane, 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 Dane Cook, Dane Cook did sat, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, the um, Kings of Comedy, Kings were doing of Com- it. But, but that was three, three big names, three big names. But dude, they were all in their 30s, 40s, and 50s oh, when yeah. they're doing this. He's 19. And at the same time, the heavyweight undisputed champion, heavyweight champion of the world is 19 and 20, Mike Tyson, with all three belts, undisputed, knocking out grown men in their mid-30s, late 20s, mid-30s, early 40s, knocking out Larry Holmes. He knocked out Michael Spinks in 91 seconds. Bone Crusher's man, Tony Tucker, you name it. He was knocking them into the... They were scared to fight this man. Mm -hmm. 19 years old. It'll never be done again, dude. Think about that time frame that you have two black men at 19 years old Doing what they were doing in comedy and boxing. I don't know if it'll ever be done again. Comedy, you're you're not you're one year out of high school and you're selling out arenas no. based on keeping somebody's attention for 90 minutes with impressions and skits, right? And I, I'm gonna shut up after I say this. If you listen to Delirious and then Raw, which was a couple years later, he was like 23 or 24. He, the Raw tour, he sold out Lawler Event Center. He was selling out theaters two nights in a row like Garth Brooks does. He was like 23 years old. No, okay. Nice. The jokes were on a different level. The impressions were on a different level. I think he's the greatest of all time. And we haven't even gotten into his, I'm not counting his music career, but his music and his skits was hilarious and his movies were hilarious. He literally raw and delirious are the two best standups. I, I, I mean, I like the Kings of comedy. Bill Burr's good, but if you were to, if you were to say you can have one comedy standup routine to watch for the rest of your life, I'm picking I would have a hard time picking between Delirious and Raw, but I would probably get Delirious. And I don't know that you can say that about many freaking comedians, dude. Some people would say Carlin. Some people would say Richard Pryor. A lot of people are going to go, give me Richard Pryor. But if I watch, and I'm with you, if I watch a George Carlin, and they, it could be from the 90s or the 2000s, a Richard Pryor from the 70s or 80s because he wasn't doing much in the 90s and 2000s because of MS. But Eddie Murphy, Delirious, like literally, I'm I, I to this day, I will fall out laughing on it. Me and too. I know every joke by heart. Yeah. But his presentation, his walk, his animation, his timing, his the way that he did Elvis, the way that he did Mr. T, the way that he did Jermaine Jackson and Michael Jackson and Mick Jagger, he's an ugly mom. All you got to do is sing. Trust right. me. All you got to yep. do is sing. Yep. There's just zero the downtime in his routine. Zero. You know, you, you could pick, there's some spots in George Carlin's, I, Richard Pryor's hilarious. He's got some skits that aren't all that funny to me. I, literally, you go through delirious and raw there is not a moment in there where you go i should have left that part out it's it's all freaking gold and it's not like a cult following gold it it he is a he was a comedic genius at freaking 19 years old like they say younger than that with what he was doing younger but when he became a legal age and he can do this stuff now look there's been black men in the world that you got it i think biggie smalls was like 25 when he died yeah that was like and he had been on top of the world for maybe three, four years. So at a young age, these rappers can kill it. Okay. But there's something about being in comedy because it's so hard. Now I'm not saying rapping's not hard. And big in 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 notorious BIG is we need to break him down someday because that dude is badass. Mm-hmm. Eminem badass. Tupac badass. But there's just something about Eddie Murphy and what he did from 19 until he was probably it was so short. It really was so short from the time he was 19 through the Beverly Hills Cops and the 48 Hours and the Coming to Americas and the Nasty Movies. And then he got in that trouble or whatever. Then he did the kids' movies and Shrek and Daddy Daycare, whatever, and Dr. Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle and those. 
And then he came back with this Netflix movie, and now he's got Coming to America 2, which I hate that when they do that to a franchise, because Coming to America 1, genius. Him and Arsenio Hall, the freaking barber scene, the barbershop scenes. But it was short-lived, and yeah. so is his comedy career. After Raw, I don't know if he ever did another stand-up. He's okay. like, is there anything else to prove? I wonder, I was going to say, I wonder if he got almost too big for that, you know, to, to do a, a stand-up But a real comedian routine. will do it because of the love of the art. Yeah. They will do it because they love stand-up. He, he got in trouble or something, right? There I is thought some... he did with a transvestite yeah. or a trans... Something was going on where it was a prostitute or something. I don't know the, the facts. I don't want to speak on it, but something happened to where he wasn't even making rated R movies anymore. No. It, it, yeah, he came out with the... I don't even... Were the clumps R-rated? I don't think they were. What was the clumps? Was that Nutty Professor? Well, yeah. And then there was a sequel to that or whatever. I don't the, think those meet could the have been rated or, R, right? I, I there was no cussing in them. I remember just there's some, uh, yeah, I don't think R-rated, but yeah, he definitely got away from... Let's fact check it. We need a fact checker in here. We do need to... How do we get one? I think you just put out an ad on Indeed. Nutty Professor. Is it 2000? Yeah, it was probably right Oh, here there. it is. The Nutty Professor. The original. PG-13. 1996. Yeah, so he was already out of... He was already out of the R-rated stuff, and I don't, I, I don't know if it, you know, maybe, maybe that's why we do really, really need a fact checker. Is there's got to be a reason that he went from, I mean, you know, he does that fam famous skit from, you know, where he's uh, Bill Cosby. Dad, he said these things. Son, what did he say? He said, Shit, Tell you know, I said to have a coke and a smile. Shut the. <laughs> up. He definitely. I mean, I remember we rented uh, Andrew Dice Clay. He was funny. He was funny. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay and, and and Delirious. I rented, and I remember we waited till my grandma went to bed so that we could watch him because my parents definitely wouldn't have let us watch him. And uh, man, my grandma came out during part of Eddie's stand up, and and she let us finish watching it, but you could tell she was upset because he did. He used to cuss a lot, and there was no topic off limits for him. It was definitely R rated and more. And then, yeah, you know, you get the daddy daycares and nutty professors and I spy and all those other movies that are very PG. And, and you know, like you said, hopefully he was holding, you know, that love for the art of comedy. And maybe he just wanted to make some good money off of those kind of movies. And, and that's where he saw some profitability. But he was always kind of sticking to his roots of that more crass comedy. But I mean, the Coming to America 2 trailer didn't look like the Coming to America 1 trailer. I mean, it's a trailer. I haven't watched the movie yet, but definitely I didn't get that vibe. It was it definitely seemed much more like a family movie, you know, than... What's it rated? I don't even know. Fact checker. Yeah, but why did they make it? Why did they make it? Coming to America, like they told the story. How could they come to America again is the same? Did you watch the trailer? Some of it. Yeah. I'm scared to watch it, dude. I, I I don't think I'm gonna watch it. I saw a lot of you know the dance scene that was in Coming to America. You know when he when he's meeting his bride to be in uh, Zamunda was a very you know small part of that movie. It was funny. It's it still had its part, but the trailer I saw half the trailer was dancing in Zamunda, which it's a, if that's a family movie. You know, then coming to America too. I, I just don't see the. I don't see my 
desire going up to go see it. I want to see more of the, you know, you sweat off a of baboon's balls, Arsenio Hall fighting in the McDonald's and, you know, just all the, 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 the basketball giants, scene. The giants of New York took <laughs> exactly. on the Packers of Green Bay. God, that first one. But dude, I just remember like being in, in awe of him. Like his, he just had, he had something different. And I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that bigger, backer, bigger, blacker, stronger, which is, is one of the best standups I think ever if Chris, you know, with Chris Rock's first one or second one. Yeah. But man, it's nowhere close to those. And I think that Chris no. would even tell you that, but like Chris Rock cannot deliver in a movie like Eddie Murphy can. Chris Rock delivered in some okay skits, you know, like, and I'm going to get you sucker and on in living color and some of that. But Eddie Murphy, Saturday night live skits. It's almost like Eddie Murphy just literally does a mic drop in everything that he does. Yeah. Oh, you want stand up? You want me to make the world laugh? Mic drop. Oh, you want the best skits in Saturday Night Live history? I'm not going to go back and tell maybe the 50 year reunion or whatever. Mic drop. I'm not going to be a guest host. I'm not going to be out. I'm just going to be a mic drop. I. It's almost like he just knows, just knows. Like, I can't better myself. There's a quote out there that that I remember reading a while back. We'd have to research it, but. Eddie Murphy had said something like he did not he did not want to make any more shitty movies and he thought he had made some. There was some out there that he did not like himself being in and it was it, you know because they weren't along the lines of the Nick Nolte's and the 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 first 40 not the first 48 but the 48 hours and the freaking and the and the Beverly Hills Cop franchise maybe part Golden 3 Child. was a little bit Golden Child freaking hilarious Coming to America hilarious let's just go through his movie list of and just kind of get our take on whether or not we watched him and kind of where he jumped the shark well you brought up something that there's a Seinfeld episode on and it's it's about you know leaving leaving the room on a high note you yeah. know what i mean and so boomerang it, Boomerang. Oh my God. You don't, her toes. Right. I wonder if you're onto something to where, you know, he makes raw and delirious and, and he wonders if I can't better those two standups, I don't want to do another one. And that's a, that's a logical way of thinking. If you're not well, all that interested in the money. Yeah. If you, if you got to write jokes and go out there and keep it, it's hard. Think about, yeah, I was going to say, think about, think about it. If you were challenged right now with somebody said, Chad, I want you to make another waterfowl hunting TV show. Be hard to do it different uh, than fellow. Right. And that's what I mean is, it, it, you know, you've, you've learned a lot. You've gained a lot. You, you know, the shots, you know, the lighting, you know, all that stuff. And you mix a ton of different, you know, variables into it that most other people don't do. So now you've got this very polished, badass show. And then someone goes, Hey, we, it's not that we want you to do a big game show or a predator show or what we want you to do another. We want to see another foul life, but we want to see something different. It would be very hard it's to very do. Very difficult. And for think about, would you want to fail in that light? You know, so he looks at his two standups and goes, how can I beat that? How, how can I record another standup and beat the two I've already got out there? All I've got is downside right now. Yep. And I bet you, if he was sitting right here, you could say, Hey, did you ever try and write a third, you know, and he maybe he would say yeah, and it just I just couldn't get into I heard, the. Rhythm. I heard threats that he might be still coming out, but here's the movie list. We're gonna go like the time frame I was talking about. 1983, Delirious. 1984, I've never seen this. Him and Dudley Moore in Best Defense. Never seen it. I gotta see it. 1982, right before that, 48 Hours with Nick Nolte. So oh. they're saying on here that 48 Hours could have came out before Delirious. 
So that that's interesting to know if he had a movie out that high power of a movie with Nick Nolte before he did a Delirious movie. Nineteen. Well, now he might have been on tour. They just hadn't recorded. It's a good point. And released. Nineteen eighty four, Beverly Hills Cop. Unbelievable. Nineteen eighty six, The Golden Child. Love that movie. Nineteen eighty three, Trading Places. I forgot. Hilarious. <laughs> that's one of the greatest. Um, wait a minute. I'm not. I'm just in the eighties right now. Right. And you'll see how this transcends into the 90s and then into the 2000s. 1988, Coming to America. Hilarious. Then you start getting into the 90s, another 48 hours. Hilarious. Mm -hmm. Which is a sequel that matched up to the... Before original. 90 was 87 again. He had Beverly Hills Cop 2. Right, which is came a out. good one the Same too. place as Coming to America, same year. 90, another 48 hours. 94, Beverly Hills Cop 3. But before that, 89, Harlem Nights. That's so the 80s too. is when all of his like stick movies were out. Am I right? Yep. Then in the Boomerang, 1992. I've never heard of Vampire of Brooklyn. Dr. Doolittle 2. He had one with uh, called Showtime with Bruce Willis. Did you ever see it? Nope. Nutty Professor, 1996. I Spy with Owen Wilson, I 2002. Good. Is it? Yeah, it's actually I've never not seen bad. it. So anyway, if you look at that time frame, Crosby, 1982 to 1989, Delirious, 48 Hours, Best Defense, Beverly Hills Cop, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Another 48 Hours, Golden Child, Harlem Nights, Trading Places, Boomerang, And coming to America in not in seven years, 1982 to 19, 1990. So eight years. Here's one that was funny in 1999, right before the 2000s came out. It, uh, Life with Martin Lawrence. Oh, that's a great movie. That's a pretty funny movie. And he's a he's a voice in Shrek, and he's good too. Which yeah. is a different deal. He's the don- is he the donkey? What is he in Shrek? Yeah, I think he's the donkey. Yeah. So. I don't know, like you breaking down, breaking down Eddie Murphy. Do you consider him the greatest of all time stand-up comic and comedic actor? Now, comedic actors, you got to be careful because now, say, that's now you're messing with another genius stand-up and Steve Martin, an actor. Yeah, yeah. Chevy Chase was not really stand-up, but he's a hell of a skit actor and a movie actor. Bill Murray, hilarious. Mm-hmm. Is there any? Are, can you even say that there's a best comedic actor? Because then you got Jim Carrey, which uh, you got um, Vince Vaughn, hilarious. Say you get the Vince Vaughns. Uh, Will Ferrell, I don't even think is in the discussion. In my opinion, is nah. the greatest. No, nah, he's a funny. He's he's got some funny stuff. You know, Eddie Murphy's definitely. I believe he is the top stand-up. I mean, I, I don't. I can't think of one that. I would rather watch. Like I said, I really did enjoy the Kings of Comedy. That was three guys, though. And, th- and those were three. Four. Was three it four? or four. Who was it? D.L. Healy. Healy. Uh, the guy that hosts uh, Family Feud, Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. Cedric the Entertainer. And Bernie Mac. And there Bernie was four Mac. of them. Four of them. And, and the, but those are four powerhouses, you know, that came Big together. Time, that were at the height of their career right high. then. And really, they only had one, one funny video. There was 
you know, Eddie Murphy for sure has too. I did like Dave Chappelle's early standups, but again, I've never really gone back and watched him. I watched Delirious with you this year. You know what I mean? I, I bet you I watch Raw and Delirious every year, at I least think once Chappelle's a year. I think Chappelle's new one is his best. That that uh, one where he's in the jumpsuit and he's talking about Michael Jackson. That is that is that one is Sticks pretty funny. Sticks and Stones, I think it's called. I don't remember. The, the old one when he when he talks about a. Oh, I, sh- I shouldn't even say this on here, but you know the monkey skit on his early one where he says, "Do you know how long it took me to teach that monkey to without peeling it like a banana?" <laughs> I ain't going out with you guys. That's the funniest. I, that, that was the Chappelle show, though, wasn't it? No, that was one of his. Was this stand up with his yeah. skits on the Chappelle show, the Grand Wizard one? Oh my god! When he dude. takes his hood off, like that's genius stuff. That is so funny to me. A blind black man is the Grand Wizard of the KKK. Oh, yeah. Like hilarious stuff. And he, then there was so many on there. The Rick James and the guy. The guy's talented as they come. Dude. It, and he's good. At, uh, he's got a. I can't remember what the movie's called right now. I'm drawing a blank. Where they're all potheads. Uh, High times. No, that's a magazine. Dude, I, where's my car? No. <laughs> No, I can't. Why oh, can't and I think Willie Nelson was in it. Yeah, yeah. What was it called? It's funny, dude. I have to fact check it for myself. Uh, He's in that. Yeah, but so he did. He have he had something go wrong with him, right? Where he kind of left the. That's what I was talking about. He just got mad at the industry. I think it was. Oh, like, so it wasn't on. like a legal issue. I don't think Eddie so. Murphy. I I fact checked it for us. Uh, he got in trouble in 1997. Uh, yeah, for having a trans uh, prostitute, and I think possibly drinking and driving or drugs and driving or something like that. Um, and I think that's why he left, you know, the spotlight for a while. Probably Maybe embarrassed, not left. Probably embarrassed his family a little bit. Right. Because his brother, Charlie, who passed away a year or two ago, was very popular amongst comics. Like you, when he passed away, you heard Bill Burr and 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 all of the, the comics of today, um, you know, talk about what he meant to comedy. Chappelle, Bill Burr. Who is the guy that always that always smokes Dave, Dave something that comes to the lake all the time? Real, Dave Attell. Dave Attell. That dude's insomniac theater or whatever. He's you, funny, dude. Love, I, but you know, you kind of I, I don't know what the word for a one hit wonder in in comedy is, but you know, you just that he was kind of a flash in the pan. He I was don't very know. Funny. I don't think so. I think his stand up is still strong. Oh, really? I think so. I think he's got a cult following, but I think he's still considered a great writer. Do you remember The Amazing Jonathan? I do remember the name. I don't think I ever watched any of his stuff. He was funny back when we were young, like in the late 80s, early 90s probably. And I happened to go to the Laugh Factory at uh, the Silver Legacy here a couple years ago, and he was the main guy. I mean, I, do, you, do you go to any comedy stuff? Do you yeah. ever go to the shows? And- Lewis Bla- I've seen a lot of comedians here. I mean, I love Rodney Carrington. I love Ron yeah. White. Lewis Black I've seen several times. I've seen Dice several times, even on his comeback when he'd come to Reno. You know, ten years back, twelve oh, did, years back, didn't Dice? Uh, didn't Dice made call you me. out in the crowd or something yeah, like that? Called you. Well, I got to go. Uh, I, got to go I got to go meet him before after sound check. And I walk in and I'm like, "That's Dice." He had these big, thick glasses on with the clear lenses and the hair, and you know those, you know those glasses. I'm talking about the oh, big, yeah, thick big, frame. Yeah, big had, mafia. Yeah, he had sweatpants on and Converse chucks on and a black shirt with hoodie. 
he always came out in the leather, you know, but he, we talked and said hello and everything. Well, I was there with some friends. And of course the, my friend that worked, you know, that was the director of entertainment there told him about me and I'm in the front row center stage watching him. And I, you know how I'm bare. We talked about going bald, but I went that night with no hat. I'm like, I'm going to try it. And this is probably one of the reasons why I don't do it anymore. <laughs> so I get up to go get a drink or go take a leak or something. And all of a sudden, Oh, look who it is. It's Bruce Willis. Uh, I got a bald effing head. Uh, like me and my boy and all this. And he just lights me up as I'm literally walking up. out. You know how the, the, the theater goes up? And I'm literally uh, walking yeah. up to get out to one of the side doors. Bro, you talk about anxiety when Andrew Dice Clay starts in on you. And, oh, you know, look at the bald head. It's Bruce F. and Willis and all this. And I'm just like, oh, my God. He's like, Dice is lighting me up on one of his. That's freaking awesome. But he was, dude, back when he was in, on Dangerfields in the late 80s, mid 80s, late 80s, and then 89, 88, when he was selling out Madison Square Gardens, I, he couldn't have been that old. And he had something special, man. He was raunchy, but he did. He had that Brooklyn, that Italian. He had that boxer's mentality, the Rocky Balboa, pure blue chip, blue collar America. I'm going to give it to him. And, you know, the stuff like, would you like to buy the lady a rose? <laughs> yeah. And I'm, <laughs> oh, dude, like. Is like, this the front of the line? No, it's the back. And we're all standing backwards. backwards. Oh! <laughs> would he put a cigarette around the back of his head and take yeah, a Yeah, and then he would do, he would do all the all the mother the mother goose nursery rhymes. Hickory oh. dickory dot. But he he had a freaking awesome stage presence. Oh, and yeah. he got famous, but something happened with him too, where stardom and ego and money and richness and celebrity got to him, I think. And it ruined a lot. I the, uh, the they say that with stand-up comedy. A lot of it's so personal and inner. Like a lot of there's a lot pretty good suicide rate in stand up comedy because you got to get so personal. And I guess it's a really really dark profession. Like you're out there and you're making them laugh, but then you go back to your hotel room and then you're just right back to the darkness. Well, and I think a lot of them pick it themselves. You know what I mean? It, it, a, a common theme in comedy, you know, is talking about your childhood. You know, Eddie Murphy do it to a to a degree. Did a little. You know, talks about being poor and whether that's a joke or whether that's, you know, him pulling things out of his real life, you know, his aunt being drunk and falling down the stairs, you know, you, you come up with jokes based on things that you've gone on in your life. And la yeah, like you said, then you get back to your hotel room and the laughing's over and you internalize those jokes that you made up. I bet it is a, is a it is a, you know, kind of a dark. And well, if you look, there's, there. I, mean, I don't know what this, there's obviously the suicide rate can't be that high because there's a lot of stand-up comics, but it's a really dark, I guess all show business can be. Sure. You watch these uh, documentary on documentaries on pro wrestlers like Jake the Snake Roberts and Terry Funk. There's this. There's some documentaries out there that you can watch. Like when they would leave that fifty thousand room, fifty thousand fans in a room, sold out WrestleMania, and they'd go back. They were just some normal dude that Vince McMahon had him on this hierarchy, but they were just some. Dude, they like could not live in the downtime. Right. So to get that downtime to pass, they lean on things, you know, extracurricular stuff, mm -hmm. alcohol, drugs, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of stories about the Iron Sheik and Hulk Hogan and and the Ultimate Warrior and Ravishing Rick Rude and and Jake the Snake Roberts and and Randy Macho Man. If you go and read up on a lot of these guys. They had to have something. One, they were in pain all the time because right. that shit would take it out of you. Um, but there's a big documentary coming out on one of the cable networks pretty soon, I heard, that's that's going to document like 12 of the top stars in WWE history. You know who's not on it? Hmm. 
Hulk Hogan. Why? I think because of what happened with that last that last deal with Bubba the Love Sponge and the sex tape that came out. Oh, really? And then there was some tape of Hulk Hogan using the the, the really racist term that you don't use in, in anywhere. You should yeah, never yeah. say that word. Something was said that he said it and he got, like they dismembered him from the WWE. Vince McMahon mm. like literally said he's no longer associated with World Wrestling Entertainment. Wow. Which was prior called WWF. But Hulk Hogan built that organization, dude. Wow. Not that Vince McMahon's not a genius. He got a lot out of those guys. Oh, my God. But he also built them into some very wealthy people, like what The Rock's become and Stone Cold and John Cena and Hulk Hogan's career. I mean, that that wrestling catapulted them into huge celebrities. Yeah, Brock Lesnar. Stardom, right? Oh, yeah. We just watched... uh the uh when remember when Hulk Hogan was with NWO and there was a New World it, Order. What just they're just unbelievable athletes and actors. You know they're what I mean? Amazing That's what athletes. You, like you said, they're in pain all the time because they literally they rocked each be, other. Be, and just those steel kid, cages matches, they were really falling. When and, they got hit with a chair, it was oh, yeah. some kind of chair. Well, and you think about if you've ever been in a in a, any kind of a fist fight, you, you, 30 seconds feels like 10 years. Those guys are fighting, you know, some of those cage matches were you know, 18 minutes long. Think about fighting someone for 18 minutes, whether you're punching them and hurting them or Tired. not. You're making all those motions. You're getting slammed on the ground. You're running around. You're doing all that stuff. And they're all big dudes. You Tons know, of stunts. Oh, Tons yeah, of stunts. Unbelievable. Like that That's Nick, we should that break Nick down. Foley guy, that Nick Foley guy. Oh, dude, he used to screw himself up so bad. So bad. Like, oh, I, my I, God. That dude probably can't even walk anymore. But he's in that documentary I'm telling you about with, with Terry Funk, Nick Foley, Jake the Snake, it shows Nick Foley or somebody getting, yeah, Nick Foley getting ready for a match against The Rock, and it goes behind the scenes and shows Dwayne Johnson and Nick Foley going through their their match for that night, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to run up to this first level of the crowd, and I'm going to jump off here, and I'm going to dive on you, and I'm going to miss, and I'm going to slam on the concrete. These guys were really doing this shit. Mm-hmm. They, they were going all out to perform for these audiences that knew it wasn't a real fight, but they were really getting hurt. So... That's another episode or two to break that's, down that's WWE. Break down for sure, and then it talks about all the minor league wrestling matches that are trying to get Vince McMahon's attention to bring him up to the big oh, yeah. leagues. My uh, a kid I went to high school with got really into that backyard wrestling deal. And he his little three minutes of fame was he he tried to jump off the top uh, turnbuckle in a backyard uh, wrestling event and compound fractured his ankle Dude, it's on YouTube, and you see like his. I foot, can't even watch. Uh, 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 it, it's one of the grossest things I've ever seen. But you know, like you said, they were all trying to get his attention and try and be in the. Well, look like Kurt Angle was an Olympic wrestler. Brock Lesnar was a, a big time wrestler too, right? And they University of Minnesota. Kurt Angle was an Olympic gold medalist, right? They transitioned into WWE, WWF, whatever, and then, and then like Angle, Brock went Angle on even UFC. talked about fighting in the UFC and never did. He might have had one MMA match, but know. Brock did, and he yeah. became the champion. Yeah, he beat Frank Mir. Yep. Then he beat Shane Lesnar, who was a stud. And remember, uh, Bill Goldberg was a linebacker or something Football for. Player. Yep, and he he got in. I mean, his brother's the one that was the big announcer for UFC forever. Now he's with Bellator. Yeah, Mike Goldberg. It was him and Rogan for all those years. But now that we're talking about wrestling, are we going to wrestle the truth out of the best Eddie Murphy movie of all time? Or is he he for sure is the best stand-up comedian? Dude, I would like to say yes. Please go back and watch Delirious and Raw and listen to the Elvis impersonation. 
We got to win this race. Hey, Elvis, you want some lemonade? Lemonade. <laughs> that cool, refreshing drink. And then, <laughs> and then, the, hey, boy, you look mighty fine in them there jeans. Hey. Why don't you come over here? Like that whole deal. And then he takes Eddie, and then he takes Mr. T into Raw. Heard you've been telling some jokes about me, boy. No, that <laughs> no, was Michael didn't. Jackson. <laughs> yeah, he goes, I just thought I used the Jedi mind trick. That was all in Delirious. Yeah. I, I didn't think he could be that much of an intelligent being or an intelligent fella. He goes, I thought I'd just use the Jedi mind trick on him. I heard you've been telling some jokes about me, boy. No, you didn't. Maybe I I didn't. I'm gonna go beat up a fool that told me them lies. <laughs> what? A goody goo goo guy. But then in Raw, Michael Jackson finds out he was making fun of him, and Eddie Murphy's like, "So, so you might, <laughs> woo, woo, woo. dude." That I'm just saying those impersonations. Then he does Jeremiah, and when he goes, "Tito, give me some tissue," and he sings that song, he sounds just like Michael Jackson. He sounds like Luther Vandross. He does. You got, you got, you got what I need. He goes, he was a big Kentucky Fried Chicken. He just Mother. was freaking hilarious. What about, uh, uh, was it, yeah, James Brown. Oh, my God. James <laughs> didn't know what he was saying. He just makes something up and ran out of words. Ha! Ha! Yeah, put that right there. The band didn't know what James was saying. They just follow along. What he said? Man, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Feeling good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, hey, I, I, I probably watch it, each of them once a year for sure. And still, then I, still, this many uh, years later. How uh, many years ago is that? 1983. Golden Child was on Netflix a few months ago. I watched it start to finish. 1983 to 93 is 10 to 2003 is 20 to 13 is 30. That thing is literally almost 40 years old, delirious. And we still watch it today. And relevant. Relevant. Aunt, Bunny, Aunt Bunny falling down the stairs right? at the bar. That ain't no fire. No, that's a fire. <laughs> What have you done for me lately? I want half, Eddie. I want half. They're Bigfoots, aren't they, Gus? Three months ago, you was butt naked riding through the <laughs> riding on but, a zebra with a bone in your nose. <laughs> everything Eddie Murphy did was like you can't say everything because he said he says himself he made some bad stuff, but his stand up was impeccable. It was on time. The delivery, just the way that he owned the audience. I remember what I was almost old enough to go see him at Lawler Event Center. He came here. Yeah, and I wasn't old enough to go with my dad. What? A, uh, something just hit my head. Is there another actor that can play five or six different parts in the same scene, like he did, like Eddie Murphy does in the barber shop, and he, even in the uh, meet the, or the professor, or whatever the hell it's called? Um, and I know he's going to do it again in in uh, Coming to America too. But I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Has anyone you else ain't ever tried never it? Met no Doctor King. He yes, whipped Joe Lewis's ass. <laughs> I should get my brother in here. Let me see if Clay's here. He's, he's here. Let's see. Let's see. Hey, Clay, come here real quick. No. No. We're, we're breaking down Eddie Murphy on this episode of Breaking It Down. Can you go over on Alex's mic real quick? And we're going to do a little bit of the barber. Uh, we want to hear you do a little bit of the barbershop scene. Because, you know, this could sell some of this Amazon deal for part two of Coming to America. Will you go do a little bit of it without cussing? Without cussing. <laughs> without cussing. <laughs> F you. Oh, Mike Tyson, that bulldog looking. <laughs> do you know the whole thing by heart? Okay, do two of the skits. Do do uh, do the boxing and do uh, maybe Martin Luther King. I don't know what I got. You don't remember him? Uh uh, Here, let me let me get the script and I'll start you. Rocky Maciano. Hold on, let me get the script real quick. <laughs> Coming to America. Barbershop scene. Barber shop scene script. I don't want the video. I just want the script to see if they can give me the words. Yeah, that boy good. 
Yeah, Oh, that's a good one. At the do they? You can go on and they have the entire script. Do Dude, really? Google is amazing. Let's do the. Let's do the. Uh, when they're at the this place, I'm going tonight. Black Awareness Rally. <laughs> that's where I'm going tonight. Gonna be some fine women, some good, good thing, girl. That's where I'm going. Yeah. Started at Jackson Heights own. Sexual chocolate. Put your hands together for Jackson Heights' own Mr. Randy Watson. Yes, Randy Watson. The boy good. The boy yeah, good. Good and terrible. Yeah, good and terrible. <laughs> donations, donations. I believe the children are future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty, possession, shine. Give them a sense of pride. Make it easier. Let the children's <laughs> laughter remind us how we used to be. I'd have shot it long ago and never walk in anyone's shadow. If I fail, if, if I, I succeed, it can't, can't take, take away my dignity. Yeah, it's greatest. <laughs> Love of all is inside of me. Sexual chocolate. <laughs> Sexual chocolate. That boy good. Hold on a second. I'll start you again. I was the preacher, though, too. Oh, he's early. Oh, dude. He plays so many roles. All right. Hold on. Ready? All right. Oh, come on, man. What about Joe Lewis? Here, it starts like this. Do you, do you know this one? Do you know this one? Hold on. Hold on a second. Wait, wait. Let me pause it. Okay, go. Pound for pound. Joe Roberts ever best fighter ever lived. He been Rock Marciano. He been Joe Lewis. He been with that boy, but look like a bulldog. He whooped his ass too. What about Rocky Marciano? Oh, there they go. There they go. Every time I start talking about Rocky Marciano, one man got pulled Rocky Marciano out the ass. That's day one. That's day one. Rocky Marciano. Rocky Marciano. Let me tell you something once for all. Rocky Marciano's good, but compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano ain't shit. He beat Joe Lewis's ass. Yes, he was 75 years old. I don't know how old he was, but he got an ad whoop. <laughs> Man, Frank Snatcher came down here and sat down here and said, I said, Frank, you know Joe. How old's Joe Lewis? Man, he's 175 years old. 175 years old. Man, you ain't never meet no Frank Sinatra. <laughs> what was the one when he comes around the corner? Dark Martin Oh, you ain't never you ain't never met no Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah, I will. That was walking down the street, night uh, walking down the street, minding my own business. Man come up, hit me in my chest, I look up, he's Dr. King. I said, Oop, I thought you were somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, breaking down Eddie Murphy. Oh. The best. Oh. I think he's the best stand-up of all time in his movies. I know, I heard it, but I'm afraid for him to do that. What if he gets booed off the stage? Like this movie Dolomite was a good movie, I thought, on Netflix. Really good. Dolomite. Yeah, so, I enjoyed Dolomite. I'm a huge fan, always was. But that time frame, let's go back to how we started this after we got off our political rant. That time frame of Eddie Murphy and Mike Tyson, that 85, 86, 87, 88, 89. And then it was starting, you know, he had that movie career that would go into like the 95, 96, 97. But those times, all the way up to 89 is when Coming to America and Boomerang were coming out. Robin Givens was married to Mike Tyson. She was in Boomerang. Eddie Murphy was going to Mike Tyson's fights. What a freaking time oh my to God. be on top of the world, dude. To just be that funny. The guy was selling out arenas and he wasn't old enough to go into a bar. 
Did, Which did I know that happens. I know that athletes are making the major leagues and being football, maybe not football, but there's some 19 year olds like Ken Griffey Jr. was 19 or 20 that w- was selling out in Seattle, selling out their arenas in Seattle, but not being able to go into a bar. But Eddie Murphy was on his own. He had Keenan Ivory Wayans, Keenan Ivory Wayans from In Living Color, the Wayans brothers, hilarious. They were pioneers. He was one of the writers on Red Eddie Murphy, Delirious and Raw. If you look at it, I believe he's on both. I know he's on one of them. He had a team of riders, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, dude, his delivery in those delivery, leather suits, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> the leather suits are what makes it. Do you – I don't ever recall. Did he uh, Did he make it out of those young years with his money? Well, let's see. I mean, I think I, he's worth some money. I think he is too. I think he, I think he kept his money. I was My mind was just kind of wandering towards, can you imagine being 19 years old? The fame is one thing. He's worth two hundred million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he would think he, he, he kept, kept his, money. his money. But think about think about being nineteen years old and having millions of dollars. Think about when you were nineteen. Mike Tyson years old. was worth three hundred million or something by the time he was twenty three. And he, lost, he was making thirty. And 50 he lost it all. Lost it all. Don King is is his buying Bentleys and buying tigers mansions and, and buying tigers every week and his management gone. Right, gone. And that's what sad it that is career. Sad. I've said this to Joy Gilbert. I don't care what you think about Mike Tyson. If you're 19 and you're making that kind of money, you can't control it by yourself. you no. got to have a team. His team didn't do him very well. No. It's a sad deal. His career is sad. Now, I'm not saying – I'm not going into the political part about the rape conviction and the jail time and the prison sentence and all that. Whatever people think, if that really happened, if it didn't, who knows. But that is sad to be that talented and to sell that many pay-per-views and that many seats and to have the whole world watching boxing like Muhammad Ali did. And have all your money gone. He's worth like a million dollars now. Yeah, nothing. He, he, and I equate a lot of things to this, but, you know, he's, he's like, I said it before, Donald Trump was the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, you know, of politics. Mike Tyson was that to boxing because boxing was losing its momentum. And Mike Tyson held it up for the longest time. I think he did. I think that heavyweights still after him, had a hard time. I mean, yeah. I know that there was Riddick Bowe, and I know there was Lennox Lewis, but dude. Zero even, charisma in those guys. Yeah, even when they got announced at that last big fight, that last big fight between uh, Wilder and Fury, they brought out Tyson, Holyfield, Lewis. The place went nuts for Tyson. Yep. He's remembered. Even yep. though he's bit Holyfield's ear off, even though he fought, you know, he had those weird fights against people. Like, he was just over it. He was just trying to make a buck. But if you go back to the Bulldog Mike Tyson in 85, 86, 87, 80, 89, He's unbeatable. He yep. knocks out Muhammad Ali in five rounds. He would. He would take George Foreman. He would knock. I'd take him against anybody at that time. Yep. He was a dude. He was so quick and so unorthodox. And Kevin Rooney, his trainer. Do you remember all the the shit that he would do? How he come bouncing across like this? Oh yeah. Like he, like like he when he fight the bald bull on Mike Tyson's punch out. You come around like this, and then the way that he would just liver shot or rib shot, and then as soon as they bear down, that uppercut. right uppercut would Boom. come in and knock him into next week. No, He's you, one of a kind. Now, look, De La Hoya and Pernell Whitaker and Roy Jones Jr. and 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 uh, Mayweather, James Tony and Floyd Mayweather Jr. and Pacquiao and all of these guys. Boxing is awesome. I love it. MMA completely has taken it over. Even though boxers get paid a lot more money when there's a big fight, mm-hmm. there's just no star. There's no star power behind it anymore. No. MMA and Dana White have done a great job of taking that over. But at that time. Eddie Murphy, Mike Tyson. We will break down Mike Tyson on an upcoming episode of Breaking It Down right here at This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. I enjoyed that. We started off. We had a little bit going on, a little bit of 
a little bit of banter back and forth because we don't like you, Steve Sisolak. Don't like you, my man. I don't think you're a good leader. I think you're terrible, terrible, terrible at what you do. And you should be ashamed for becoming governor of the state of Nevada. Newsom, same thing. Biden, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I'm just so, I'm irritated because I believe in free enterprise and entrepreneurial spirit of America. I believe in family. I believe in truth. I believe, believe in, in honesty. Our Second Amendment. Second Amendment, our guns. Big threat of Joe Biden is taking our guns. I'm going to make the NRA, put them out of business. Mm -hmm. Come on, man. Beto O'Rourke's going to come knock on your door and get your AR-14. Yeah, come on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Come on. So, you know what? It's easy to talk smack like that when you're surrounded by armed security guards and armed guards. Yeah. Okay, so think about it. Amy Schumer, think about that girlfriend. I, Pelosi, you stay out of those salons. If you're going to shut them down and our girls and guys can't make money cutting hair, you stay out of them too. Same God, she's Mason. ugly. Boy, Oof. she ugly. Ugly Boy, she ugly. Fans. That girl ugly. I U like the way. G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. What movie? Come on. Probably about 1983, 1982, Goldie Hawn, Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson, football, hilarious. Football. What was it called? I don't remember. I thought it was White Man Can't Jump for a U minute when you said Wesley Why You ain't got no alibi, you ugly. ugly. Necessary Roughness? Wildcats. Never saw it. What? I like what you did here today, though. You got the blood pressure up, talking politics and corruption. And then you rounded it out with Eddie Murphy, Delirious, Raw, all his, mu his uh We never talked about his music. My girl wants no, to party all the time. That's, I can't. He's got one great song. I can't. Wildcats movie, what year? 97. Uh, no, hell no. Way earlier than that. 83, I'm going to say. 86. 86. Another great movie. Wesley Snipes is in that. Woody Harrelson's in that. Woody Harrelson, genius actor. Genius. Oh, yeah. I like Woody. Oh, my gosh. On Cheers. On Hilarious. Cheers. What was his name on Cheers? Do you remember? Uh, no, but his best movie, Natural Born Killers. No way. It's pretty goddamn good. It's good, but I'm going to – I love Woody Harrelson, and I loved him in um, – no Country for Old Men, even though he's barely in it. Mm. He's freaking awesome in it. I don't know. I, you think that that's his best movie? Zombieland's pretty good, too. But for like, a, yeah, I, Natural Born Killers to me is, a, is an unbelievable movie, and he's really good in it. Yeah, but that's that. He he does a good. Uh, he, I don't know. I'm going to. Kingpin. Kingpin. I think Kingpin would be my pick. I just think he's hilarious. He in is it. funny, dude. And it's him and Bill Murray, and it's filmed right here in Reno. You got months in the middle of nowhere. What? What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great movie. I like how he pays his. You know how many episodes we could do just breaking down great movies? We're gonna do one-liners. We're going to. Hopefully, people are enjoying breaking it down. We're out of here for today. This life ain't for everybody. Breaking it down with Chad and Alex. Brought to you by Jack Daniels, Tennessee Southern Mash whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking and rigid industries. Thank you for letting us own the night. Thank you for lighting up our world. See the lights, y'all. Brighten up. Get educated. Let's get going. Let's go to work. Thank you, Rigid, for supporting us. We love working hard underneath your lights, underneath your beacon, underneath your leadership. Thank you for believing in what we're doing here at the Foul Life TV, the Foul Life Podcast, This Life Ain't For Everybody Podcast, Breaking It Down with Chad and Alex Podcast, Where the Payment Ends Podcast. All of our social media efforts, the upcoming provider TV show available on My Outdoor TV, Mo TV app, starting May 1st, 2021. Brand new episodes of the Foul Life TV, sponsored and presented by Benelli. 
Shotgun Simply Perfect begin July 2nd, 2021, exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. And please check out all of our selections of steaks and briskets and burger at American Almond, A-L-M-O-N-D, beef.com, AmericanAlmondBeef.com. We're humbled by the launch of that. And thank you for the support of that and all of our other brands. We will be back with another episode. Today, we're talking Eddie Murphy, one of the greatest of all time. Let's go out with a Zach Brown song. This is the greatest. Thank you all for listening to this episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody, Breaking It Down with Chad and Alex. I drink champagne with kings and queens. The politicians praise my name. But those are someone else's dreams. The pitfalls of the man I became. For years and years, I chased their cheeks. At the crazy speed of always me.